on back and turn to Psalm 144. We're in the fifth book of the Psalms. Remember, every Psalm has a doxology at the end, the last verse. This book, it almost is like the last Psalm is a burst of praise, but we're going to start with 144 and we're going to get through it. And this is a Psalm of David. Just so you know, just listen now one more time. If you weren't here next, next week and possibly the next two weeks, we start our family series and dating was going to be the last one. Biblical dating, dating in the Bible. But because the young people are on hiatus for next week, we're going to do a series next week and it's going to be about dating and Bible and relationships. So relationships at my house, this is a joke because I've said it so much. Dating God's way. But anyway, <laughs> so we're going to do that next week. And it's not just for the kids or young people uh, or people who are single. It's for the parents of kids too. So make sure you come to that and uh, make sure you invite somebody with you. Psalm 144, it's a Psalm of David because the Lord preserves and prospers his people. And I wanted you to, uh, we're going to take a major detour here. Because there's a word in the Psalms that you need to know. And I've said it a million times over the last eight months. And that word is hased. Hased. Hased is such a great word. There's no English word that sort of compares to it. In fact, they use several different words in the Bible for hased. But we're going to take a time out here when we get to verse 2. So let's read verse 1. Blessed be the Lord my rock. The Lord is our strength. The Bible tells us to be strong in the Lord and in your mighty power. No, it does not say that. It says in his mighty power, live in the strength of the Lord. But he trains my hands for war. Now think about David, who's writing this. He was a shepherd. He was a slingshotter. He was a harpist. He was a writer. He was a hand-to-hand -hand combat guy. And he talks about who trains my hands for war. But in our world, how does he train our hands for war? Well, he gives you the sword of the spirit and you're doing it right now. And we fight our battles in a lot of different ways. But the main way, one of the main ways is we fight by the word of God. We live our lives by the word of God. We stand on the word of God. We pray according to the word of God and it becomes an offensive weapon in the battle for good and evil, for God's kingdom versus our enemy's kingdom. Well, he trains our hands for war. So that means he trains us in the Bible. He trains us in being people of praise. Chronicles chapter 20. They set the singers out first and they sing and they put the enemies, the singing causes by God, an ambush of the enemies. And what happens when we praise the Lord? The enemy flees and is ambushed. But here we get to the verse, the second verse, my loving kindness in my fortress. That's what David is doing. He's praying to his God who is loving, kind, and his, he's his fortress. He's his security. But watch, I'm going to take a major time out now. We've done the word has said or said the word has said all throughout, and I'm about ready to do something that every speech class tells you not to do. I'm going to read to you possibly the longest quote I've ever read at Calvary Chapel. But listen, if you catch this, your devotion times are going to go kapow. They're going to explode. If you'll catch the loving kindness of the Father, 
If you'll catch it, if you'll study it, if you'll think on it, if you'll write out how loving kind he's been to you and all the little details of your life, salvation, yes, but then all the details, how kind he's been, this is going to revolutionize you. And Spurgeon in his book, this little book that he wrote, that's so wonderful, I ordered it today for us to be in the bookstore. It's called The Practice of Praise. Here's what Spurgeon says about loving kindness. Was there ever such a word in any language like that word loving kindness? I have sometimes heard Frenchmen talking about their language and I have no doubt it's a very beautiful tongue. Germans glorify the speech of the fatherland. I have heard our Welsh friends extolling their unpronounceable language. That's funny. Declaring it's the very tongue that was spoken in paradise, very likely indeed. But I venture to say that, listen, no language beneath the sky has a word in it that's richer than this, the loving kindness of God. It's a dual deliciousness. Can you believe he writes like this? Who writes like this? Within it are long chains of sweetness linked together. Loving kindness is the kind of word with which to cast spells that should charm away all fears. It was said of Whitfield that he could have moved an audience to tears by saying the word Mesopotamia. Man, Spurgeon's funny. I think he could have done it better with loving kindness. Put it under your tongue now. Let it lie there. Now watch, here it comes. This is the part that should just touch your soul. Loving kindness, kindness, does uh, that mean kinnedness? Some say kinnedness is the root sense of the word. Such feeling as we have to our own kin, get it? our own kin, for blood is ever thicker than water, and we act toward our kindred as we cannot readily do toward strangers. Now God has made us his kin and his own dear son. He's taken us into his family. We're children of God, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, Romans 8 tells us. There is a kindness from God to us through our great kinsman, Jesus Christ. Now watch, listen, just hang in there. However, the word is only half understood when you get to that. For it is loving kindness, loving kindness. For a surgeon to set a man's limb when it's out of joint or broken is kindness, although he may do it somewhat roughly and in an offhand manner. Watch it. But if he does it very tenderly, covering the lion's heart with the lady's hand, then he shows loving kindness. A man is picked up on the battlefield, put into an ambulance, and carried to the hospital. That is kindness. Now listen, watch this. But if that poor soldier's mother could come to the hospital and see her boy suffering, she would show him loving kindness. Now you getting it? She would show her son loving kindness, which is something far more. A child run over in the street and taken to the hospital would be cared for. I have no doubt with the greatest kindness. However, after all, send for the child's mother for she'll give him loving kindness. In the same way, the Lord deals with us. He gives us what we need in a fatherly manner. He gives us what we need in the tenderest fashion. It's kindness. It's kindness. But it's also the combination of the two. It's loving kindness. The very heart of God, listen, the very heart of God seems to be written out in this word. Whoa. We could hardly apply it in full force to any but our Father who is in heaven. Now here is a subject for us to sing about every morning. And in his book, he was saying, what should we sing about in the morning? Loving kindness. I'm trying to give you 
some pictures of what loving kindness is as described in the Bible. It's not just the kindness of helping, that's kind. It's helping with love like your mom would or your dad would or your friend would, whoever. That loving kindness of setting you right and helping you and caring for you. So when you read these things, David says, my loving kindness, that's who God was or is to David. Or, and that's who God is to us. He's our loving kindness. He's connected. We're connected now. We're in the family. And so he's kind to us. I think it's important because some people think of God as this big ogre in the sky who's ready to whack you over the head with a two by four. But see, our Lord is lovingly kind and he is a security because he's a fort that protects us and he's a high tower and he's a deliverer and he's David's shield and our shield and the one in whom David takes refuge, so could we, who subdues my people under me. That's what David writes. Then in verse three, Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him? So, so he paints this glorious, big, massive, majestic, graceful, wonderful picture of who the father is. And then he talks about it, but we're just this little speck and you take knowledge of me you care for me you think of me that's what david is saying or the son of man that you're mindful of him by the way that's a is hebrew literary technique he's repeating it so you'll really get it so to speak and what he's trying to say again is he's big the biggest grand we're small but he cares i think if we just knew that Christians would be different. He loves us to that degree. Lord, what is man? The son of man that you're mindful man. We're like a breath. I mean, James says, what's your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. To God, our little 80 years or 90 years or 100 years or whatever they are, it's nothing. To us, it's a big deal. To him, it's nothing. And he cares. He loves. He pays attention. So amazing. Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Bow down your heavens, Lord, and come down. He's evoking the images of the Exodus uh, story right here up on Mount Sinai. Touch the mountains and they'll smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words like you know like Saul who he came to who is his father-in-law who he came to think of as a foreigner like I don't even know this guy look how he's acting Saul somebody like that and then as a king I mean he had close people stabbing him in the back turning on him his counselors he 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 left out of Jerusalem and was going up the Kidron Valley and here he has People, you know, cursing him out and uh, things. Somebody that the world would think was nobody, just ripping into him. I mean, here you go. And uh, Anyway, whose mouth speaks lying words against him and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. But listen, here's what Christians do. We have a new song in our hearts, the Bible tells us. I mean, don't you, if you're a Christian, raise your hand if you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and you have the Holy Spirit living in your life. If you know that, I mean, what was your tune before? My tune was me, kingdom, rich, image, 
That's all I wanted to do and be and be famous. And then the Lord got into my heart and it just, everything changed. And instead of singing the songs that the world sing, I want to sing the songs that praise the Lord and talk to, about Jesus. But I'm not propping myself up. That's the natural way of the people of God. And I know you people do. Last week, I was so encouraged. I mean, here we got, don't take this the wrong way, but we got old people in here last week at the believers meeting, the worship time. We got young people, and they're all just around each other, just worshiping the Lord. And I'm thinking, whew, that's it. That's it. What brings people together? It's praise and honoring Jesus. And so you have that. I'll sing a new song on a harp of 10 strings. Well, I, I don't really do it on a harp, but I, you, you, you get the point. David could do that because he was a harper. I learned a new word within the last month. Not a harpist, a harper. And we have a harper here, but anyway. Uh, the one who gives salvations to kings, who delivers David, his servant, from the deadly sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speak lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. This guy, this David, who spent this time by himself in the desert, this man who'd been through all these different things, including these unbelievable, personal, sinful behaviors, he knew how to pray to the Lord. He knew and was accustomed to communing with the Lord. And you see it right here. He prays and knows how, as he stands on the promises and appeals to God's attributes. This man knows how to commune and pray. Rescue me, deliver me. Uh, then, watch this, that our sons may be as plants uh, grown up in their youth. Now, you're going to go through a whole bunch of prosperity things here, like Wow, I want to have sons and daughters, kids that grow up and are healthy and our daughters may be as pillars and sculptured in palace style. By the way, there it is again. Man, don't leave, leave that crud from the media that says Christians don't empower women. Are you kidding me? Did you read just what was a promise of God in the Levitical law? that the daughters would grow uh, maybe as pillars. That means strong and beautiful and standing out front. Now, I'm not talking about uh, unbiblical stuff, but here, look. I mean, we had Deborah. We're sculptured in palace style. Anyway, we can talk about that in the family <laughs> series, but that our barns may be full and supply all kinds of produce, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in the field, and that our oxen may well laden, there'd be no breaking or going out, be no outcry in our streets. Here, I wanted to get to this. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Anybody have the King James Version in here? Sam, read, does it in your version, in some versions here in verse 15, this is fascinating. Happy are the people who are in such a state has a question mark around it. Does yours, Sam? Okay, well, some do. Some translations do. And it's really interesting there because, look, he just prayed about material wealth and prosperity, and he said, happy are the people who are in such a state. And yes, of course you're happy in such a state, not because of the material though, but because you've been relying upon the Lord. What brings real happiness though, with no question mark, 
is the next sentence. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. (laughs) Because when you come into a, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, wow, now, there's no circumstance on earth that can outdo that. You're happy and you're blessed and you're joyful. Now watch this, Psalm 145. This song sings of God's unbelievable majesty, grandeur, his love. And it's called a praise of David. That's the only one, by the way, that's the only one in um, uh, the Psalms, uh, a praise of David. Two say there's a prayer of David, but this is the only one that's a praise of David. And he says, I will extol you, my God, O king, and I will bless your holy name. Now, I think this is where I wanted to put the quote up. Is that right, you guys? Put that quote up for me in the Psalms. Well, we could do it right here. A praise of David, I will extol you. Put that quote up if you could. Uh, Is it up there? Yeah, here, I want to read this to you uh, out of Spurgeon's book again. Praise comes out of a deep relationship with God through Jesus. Praise is really... If you want to know a real simple definition, all praise is is putting God where he deserves to be put in relation to you. He's there, we're here, right? And we recognize that. But look at this. You must, Spurgeon uh, writes this about praise. You must either praise God or be miserable. You do have a choice. You must either worship the God who made you or else you must be wretched. It's not that he kindles a fire for you or casts it on the brimstone of his wrath, but your wretchedness begins within yourself. For to be unable to praise is to be full of hell. To praise God is heaven. When immersed in adoration, we are completely filled with happiness. But to be totally devoid of gratitude is to be totally devoid of joy. Praise. What is praise? As I'm just trying to... uh, bring in for you little glimpses of what praise is. Of course, the word is, say it. How do they say uh, praise in Hebrew? Huh? Or praise God. How about that? Praise God. Hallelujah, right? Hallel, praise. Yah, God, hallelujah. I will extol you, my God. What does extol mean? It means make him big. Lift him high in your life. Make God big. How do we make God big? Well, we talk of him in big ways, in good ways, in great ways. We lift him up. We extol him. We bless his holy name. Bless means talks well of him. And that's the conversations that are at your house and in your extracurriculars and now at the job. You want to know how to be heavenly at your cruddy job that you hate? Praise the Lord. No kidding. Praise the Lord right? And you're full of joy and it's coming out and you're praising and the other people are hearing what, what this person and this job can do this. And it's not because you're being manipulative or phony. It's because it it, it, uh, boils over out of your uh, relationship with God by Jesus Christ. I will extol you, my God, O King. Remember, he's our King then I will bless your name forever and ever. How long will I bless you? Forever. And that's true. Praise, folks, is the language of heaven. 
You're learning to do it now. You're training, remember? He trains us in the weapons of war. You're learning to do it now. What's your natural inclination when something goes bad? I said natural. What's your carnal inclination? Complain. Get mad. Criticize, correct? Isn't that your, you just, you don't have to train yourself for that. It just happens. But the Lord trains us, keeps us by the Holy Spirit to keep praising the Lord because you're going to be doing it ever, forever and ever in heaven. Just read the book of Revelation. Every day I will bless you. I wanted to challenge you. Have you been blessing the Lord every day or do you wait till you get here? Do it every day, every morning, every evening. Do it every day. Instead of watching Fallon or whatever it is, folks watch. At night, bless the Lord before you go to bed. Bless the Lord when you get up. Forget your phone first. Bless the Lord. So forever and ever, you're going to be praising his name. And why? Because he's great. And he's greatly to be praised. And you can't even search. His greatness is unsearchable. Uh, and it's dishonorable to the Lord to withhold his praise. You get it? So do it. Our generation, now watch, watch. I'm so glad there's some young people here today. <laughs> Our generation shall praise your works to another and to, shall declare your mighty acts. What do we do? If I challenged you right now, how many mighty acts could you write down of the Lord? Figure that out. Make yourself a devotion. Say, I'm going to go through the Bible this year, and I'm going to declare the mighty acts of God. What would you do? You ever thought about that? Well, they could do it because they told these things to each other orally. And we should be doing it. We should be handing down to the next generation, young people, the mighty acts of God. Of course, the cross of Christ being the greatest and the mightiest. I meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty. When was the last time we meditated? I'll meditate on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts. You want to be a real man? Speak of the Lord. And I'll declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and sin shall sing of your righteousness. David knows the attributes of God, folks. The Lord is great. And how does he know it? Because he spends time with the Lord. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. This is totally fascinating because if you go back to Exodus 34, this is the way God himself describes himself to Moses. And, God, and David knows it. Isn't that interesting? He's almost quoting it. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion. Slow to anger, great in mercy. He's good to all. That means the common grace. He causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He's good to all. And his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. Are you a saint? If you're a saint, if we're a saint, bless the Lord. Speak of the glory of your kingdom. Get up in the morning and tell the Lord, Lord, I need your help. Fill me to overflowing today for sweet words to come out of my mouth. I know this job is challenging and I'm irritated and I'm frustrated humanly, but you can do it and keep your blessings of who you are in my mouth. 
The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Can you, well, anyway. All your works shall praise you, O Lord. All your works and your saints shall bless you. They're going to speak of the glory of your kingdom. Man, if you check out Acts chapter 1, I said this on Sunday. Just go back to Acts chapter 1 and read the first 10 verses or so. And you're going to see that what Jesus was teaching his disciples about after he died and rose again before his ascension, the Bible tells us that he spent those interim days teaching his disciples and followers about the kingdom of God. And Kai, you got to hand me my backpack because something's in there I want to read you. <laughs> Thanks. And um, here, here I want to just give you a little bit about uh, the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God, both eternal and temporal? It's such an interesting thing. Dr. Dwight Pentecost from Dallas Theological Seminary wrote this about the kingdom of God. Admittedly, it seems impossible to navigate this maze of interpretation about the kingdom of God. Were it not for the clarity of the Bible when allowed to explain itself, we would get hopelessly bogged down in theories and speculation about what is the kingdom of God. But truths related to the kingdom of God are not determined by the writings of men. Only through an inductive study of the word of God may we understand this great subject. And uh, what we know is this, is that this is what Jesus did when he came, so the past. Uh, when you see the kingdom of God you get like glimpses of it when Jesus is here. I mean, he's healing people and healing people, and yet some of his people sometimes can heal people and sometimes can't. And what I'm trying to say is that there's a coming future where we'll ultimately see the kingdom of God. And we get those glimpses in the gospel, and it's amazing. You're going to be a part of God's kingdom participating in it. Okay, so God's kingdom in one sense is anywhere where God reigns. It's God reign in your heart, kingdom of God. But that's just not full yet. In the future, it's going to be complete and full and glorious, where there will be no pain and there will be no hurting. There will be no crying. You get it? And you're going to be part of it and you're going to be doing things like judging, not the bad judging, the good judging. Oh. I'm judging somebody's upset down there. <laughs> but you're going to be judging and, and participating in the, uh, the administration of God. This is, this is big stuff. And so there's this whole thing there uh, when you talk about God's kingdom. And it's, it's, a, it's a big topic, in other words. Well, uh, they're going to speak of the glory of your kingdom, talk of your power. Verse 12, make known... Make, to make known to the sons of men is mighty acts. You getting that again? It's twice mentioned. We have a responsibility, and we're failing at handing down the gospel and discipleship and the great and grand glorious works of God to our kids, to the next generation. And what happens is in American church, it's all about us. What can I get today, Lord? Oh, what can I get? You're traveling. Don't they, do they have the rock wall there? Do they have the rock wall? Good, because my kid loves the rock wall. Do they have enough fun things to do? And I get kids like to have fun. So do I. But you know what the kids need? 
They need a biblical basis. That's what they need. They need the foundation of Jesus Christ. They need the word of God with fun sprinkled in, but they need that and they need how to live and discipleship. And that's hard and that's training. That's why the Bible says train up a child in the way it should go. Not take him to the circus every day. You get it? And we got a bunch of parents all throughout the United States who are in the Christian church who all they want to say is, did they have fun? Well, who cares if they had fun? I mean, I care, but you get what I'm saying? One time um, we were at a men's group, and I tell you this, and uh, one of the guys there said, every time my kids come home from school, I said, did they have a fun day? And I go, why would you ask them that? And he got mad at me. Why would you ask him if they had a fun day? You're just training him that the, the whole world's about that kid. Like the kid's at the center of the universe, and God revolves around it, and so does everybody else. And that's not what the Bible says we're to do. That's not the, what the Bible says we are. And I said, well, wouldn't it be better if you asked the kid when he came home, how were you a blessing today? How, did you serve somebody? Were you nice to the kid you, nobody's nice to? See, that's training up kids, not that I'm any great shakes at it. It's not about them. It's about discipling and knowing that, uh, that God performed these mighty acts and the mightiest of all, again, is at the cross. And verse 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. So knowing about the kingdom of God and teaching them and the Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. Now just hang with me for a minute. Who here has ever felt like they fell flat on their face about something? Who here has ever felt bowed down like in the dust? Oof. And you know what the world does is, you know, the world, you go to school, what, what do people do when people fall down? They laugh. They make fun. They move on. See ya. Well, look what the Lord does. He brings them up. He picks them up, upholds all who fall, and raises up all who are bowed down. You see the kindness here? This is kind. The eyes of all look especially to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works, and the Lord, oh, the Lord is near to all who call upon him. To all who call upon him in truth, the Lord is near. That is true, that the Lord is near. Well, how come I never hear from him? Maybe he wants you just to keep coming. I don't know about you. Anybody here, a mom or a dad, don't you like it when your kids come around and ask for advice in a good way and you, that inner, that inner uh, exchange between the two and it's like, wow, this is great. Maybe the Lord's like that. He is like that. He loves that you come. Keep coming. Keep coming. He's near. No doubt he's near to all who call upon him. And he'll fulfill the desires of those who fear him. Almost the same as Psalm 37, 4. Uh, God gives you the desires of your heart. Why? Because as you become a Christian, your desires become, or come from him. Your desires come from him. God gives you the desires of your heart. And by the way, time out. Let's just take a little rabbit trail. He's given some of you in here, you love music or playing music. I'm not one of them. 
I mean, I like music, but I can't play music, right? But I like other things that you don't like. And I think God planted those things in our hearts, and he's going to use them in the kingdom. And he's going to use them for his glory. And bow, by the way, you can use anything that God's planted in your heart for his glory. What do you like, sports? We'll do a sports camp for Christian, you know, and share the gospel. Do you love uh, books? Good. Have a book club for Christian books in the Bible and share the gospel. Disciple people. Whatever it is, keep going, keep going, whatever God puts in your heart. Well, so he fulfills those desires, and he also will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him. He watches over us all, but all the wicked he'll destroy. By the way, I think we should preach that more. I'm all for grace. I'm all for mercy. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But to the wicked, they go into everlasting separation from God. And they need to know. And I'm not saying in a, anyway, (laughs) we need to preach that more. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. Now, here we go. Psalm 46. Every one of these Psalms, look at this, say praise the Lord at the beginning and say praise the Lord at the end. You get that? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I'll sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there's no help. His spirit departs. He returns to his earth. In that very day, his plans perish. Don't put your plans in man or uh, trust in man. Put your trust in God. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope, what's hope mean in the Bible? It means you're convinced of coming good that's coming from the Lord. It's not like hope, like, oh, I'll cross my fingers and I hope. That's not the hope of the Bible. The hope of the Bible is I'm convinced of the coming good from God. So you hope. Whose hope is in the Lord? Uh, His God. Praise God uh, by having faith. Did you catch that? That's what he's saying there. You praise God by having trust and faith. And there's a happiness. So... Keep going. Verse 6, who made heaven and earth the sea, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. Do you think the Lord cares for the marginalized? Boy, the Lord cares for those on the edges that nobody notices, who has none of the advantages of life. That's where the Lord can be found. He gives food to the hungry. He gives freedom to the prisoners. And now it sounds like the book of Isaiah in like Psalm or Isaiah 35 and elsewhere. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Thank the Lord. If you're an evangelist and you're sitting here, you love that verse, right? Who opens the eyes of the blind because we're spiritually blind. And then boom, the Lord comes. So what should we do? Pray that their eyes would be opened. You, you know that. The, the Lord raises those who are bowed down. You could look in thir- Luke 13 and find that in Jesus. The Lord loves the righteous, Matthew 13. You see it in Jesus. The Lord watches over the strangers, Matthew 10, Jesus. He relieves the fatherless and widows, Jesus, in Luke 7, 12 through 15. But the way of the wicked, he turns upside down, Matthew 21 Again, Jesus, the Lord shall reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. And then watch, praise the Lord. 
How about Psalm 147? It starts with praise the Lord, for it's good to sing praises to our God. It's just good. (laughs) That's my wife saying. It's just good. That's what she always says. So (laughs) it's just good. It's just good. I mean, there's something that's such a blessing just to sing praises to our God. Do, Do you get up in the morning, just put on the worship music and just go by yourself and just... Just praise the Lord. Just praise the Lord. There's something really good about that that the Bible tells us. For it's pleasant and praise is beautiful. Now take a quick detour over to Psalm 33, verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. For praise from the upright is beautiful. For praise in the upright is beautiful. There's something really attractive, and I don't mean just romantically, but it's just, you you ever met somebody you just know is full of the Holy Spirit and praise, and there's this countenance. It's hard to explain unless you're a Christian. They're stable, they're solid, they're joyful, they're confident, but not confident in themselves. They're confident in the Lord, and there's something about them, and it's just oozing out of their pores. You know it. See, this is it. They become beautiful. They're beautiful. There's something beautiful about praise. So it's pleasant, and praise is beautiful. In fact, it makes you beautiful in that way. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. I think what he's talking about here is when they come back Uh, from the exile, the Babylonian exile, and they rebuild the walls and the temple. And that's what they're sort of referring to here. But anyway, builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. But what else does the Lord do? He heals the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted here tonight? Or do you know somebody that's brokenhearted? If you're brokenhearted because you were disappointed, you ever been disappointed? You ever been brokenhearted out of bereavement or somebody didn't do something that you wanted them to do or they broke up with you. And there can be a million things that break your heart. But look, I want you to know something. He heals the brokenhearted and he'll bind up your wounds. He binds them up because he cares about your brokenheartedness. Not a lot of people in the world care about your brokenheartedness, frankly. The Lord cares and knows, and he counts the number of the stars. He calls them by name. He, what he's telling you here, he's so big, but he can handle your brokenheartedness. And great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. Thank the Lord. He can figure out all my emotional, spiritual, physical, psychological, whatever, how all that comes together. And you're like, how can I help this person, man? They're messed up, but the Lord can because he infinitely knows how all of that works together. You see it? Go to the Lord for your healing. It's amazing. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. And I think when we read that, instead of being happy, like when we read Fox or when we watch Fox News and start getting upset and mad, instead of being happy that he casts the wicked down, maybe we should be like Jesus and be sad. that people are still perishing, that two billion people in the world still haven't heard the name of Jesus. 
Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises on the harp to our God who covers the heavens with cloud, who prepares rain for the earth, makes grass to grow on the mountain, gives uh, to the beast its food and the young ravens that cry. He's given you all these things you could praise the Lord about here. He doesn't delight in the strength of the horse. He takes no pleasure in the legs of the man. Now watch, just let this hit you right there in the heart. But this one, however big, and I don't know all the statistics about how big the universe is, but it's big. He takes pleasure, pleasure in those who fear him. Pleasure. He delights in you. You ever had somebody that made you feel like you just were around and you were a nobody because of the way they talked to you and treated you? And, you know, they were just sort of cold and distant. It's a real drag. And then you have another person who just warmly warm with you, invites you in, loves when you're around, and they just refresh you. See, that's the Lord all the time. He delights in his kids. He delights in you. He's not some God that, uh, uh, you know, uh, wound up the earth, set it down, and just backed away and said, good luck. He loves you. He participates in what you think, or he knows what you think. He knows the hairs on your head. He cares, and he delights in you. Wow. Some of you who've had bad families need to hear that. The Lord delights in his kids. Isn't that amazing? Wow, that's amazing. Um, so you go on. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he has strengthened the bars of your gates. Again, I think this is a reference to coming back from the exile. Blessed your children. But watch what the Lord does for his people. He strengthens the bar of your gates. He gives you security. I mean, what could man do? To you? I mean, what? if you're following the Lord... And, you, and you're, you're born again, and somebody threatens you with death. Of course, you know, you don't want the physical part and the hurting and all that, but what can you do? Okay, I'll go be with the Lord. Security. How could you have any greater security than that? What could man do to you? You have security. You'll be with the Lord forever. He's blessed your children within you. You have a future. He makes peace in your borders. You have peace. And he fills you with the finest wheat he provides. That's our Lord. And he sends out his command to the earth. He, his word runs very swiftly. By the way, that prayer is in 2 Thessalonians 3, 1. The prayer that the word would run swiftly out. I love that. He gives snow. He scatters frost. He, he casts out his hail. Who can stand before his cold? And... Uh, Anybody who likes warm weather should take note of this because I'm a cold weather guy. But anyway, the cold even expresses his majesty. He sends out his word and melts them. He causes his wind to blow, waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes, his judgments. He's not dealt thus with any nation. As for his judgments, they have not known him. Now watch, praise the Lord, 148. Praise the Lord from heaven. Praise him in the heights. Praise all his angels. Hosts, sun and moon, stars of light. Praise him, you heavens of heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Everything that was created by the Lord. Listen, I want you to just pay attention to this. I think this has big implications in everything. I wish we would know this in a bigger and better way. It says that everything was created by him in Colossians 1. I think it's verse 16, but don't quote me. I'm tired, so I might have got the verse wrong. 
It might be 12. But anyway, it's either one of those. The we, Bible tells us that we were created by him. He created all things, but watch. This is, the, this is amazing. But we were created, watch, for him. That has amazing implications because you know what your purpose is in life by one little verse, two little words. Well, more than two. (laughs) You were created for him. Now watch, hold on, time out. He isn't created for you. And boy, do we have that backwards around here. Well, not around here, hopefully, but you get what I'm saying. In the West... We have that backwards. We're created for him. We show up to duty where, when, how, you tell me. I'll go. We say, Lord, you do this, this, and this, or I'm out of here. That's how we treat him. We got it backwards. And here we see that everything praises the Lord. He's a stat, or let them praise the name of the Lord. He commanded, they were created. Verse 5, he established them forever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth. Before we were to praise the Lord from the heavens. Now we're praising the Lord from the earth. Verse 7, sea creatures, fire, hail, snow, clouds, wind, all fulfill his word. Mountains, hills, etc. Creeping things. Keep going. Kings of the earth, verse 11, and all peoples, princes and all judges, Young men and maidens, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone, alone, circle that word, it's unique, he's unique, is exalted. His glory is above the earth. He's exalted the horn of his people. (laughs) The praise of all his saints of the children of Israel, a people near to him, praise the Lord. Now watch, I know, I'm going fast, but I'm trying to get us to a point. So here, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful. We're to rejoice and be joyful and praise his name. Watch this with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbre and harp for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. There it is again. It's just over and over again. He'll beautify. I love that. I I didn't even know that word was a word. He'll beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Now, hold on with me. You want to know how to fight the enemy of our souls, the one that we can't see but is real as the nose on our face, the enemy of our souls. You want to know how to fight the enemy? Do this. Have the high praises of God coming out of our mouths and have a two-edged sword in our hands. The enemy will flee. Watch. Look what comes. To execute vengeance on the nation, punishment on the people, to bind the kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all the saints. You have an honor. I have an honor. It's my honor to praise the Lord. He's armed you. He's armed you. You, do you, let me ask you something just real quick. Anybody here ever heard this? You're a loser. You're a nobody. Nobody likes you. You don't belong. That, that is a lie that's coming to you straight from hell. 
It's a fiery dart. And people get jammed up about stuff like this. And I could think of a million other things to say. Well, how do you fight that off? What do you fight? How do you fight the fiery darts? With shields of faith and high praises of God coming out of our mouth, encouraging ourselves in the Lord. You know when you give a high praise of God, you know what happens? You encourage yourself in the Lord, just like David did. It's amazing. You know you can be just feeling, and then you go over the word and who you are in Christ, and all of a sudden your heart just goes like this. Woo, soars. It's because it's the Lord doing it. And then you take the two-edged sword and you say, the Lord says, I'll never leave you for, nor forsake you. You were made for me. You're a child of the king. Don't believe the lies. Whew, and you fended off the enemy. Isn't that great? So remember that verse. Memorize that, 6 and 7. Here it comes, the end. Praise the Lord. You all are saying, praise the Lord. Psalm 150, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Uh, uh, praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with... Are you getting sick of me saying it? Well, it's because it's the doxology. The whole psalm is the burst of praise. There was one at the end of book one, book two, book three, book four. It was only one verse. But here now, it's 10 verses, or excuse me, six verses. <laughs> My eye just got me right there. Anyway, that's an inside joke. But praise him with the lute, praise him with the timbrel, praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. And look, you people who say worship always has to be quiet. Well, they prayed, praised him with loud symbols. I don't know. And I'm for quiet sometimes, but I'm also for loud sometimes. Right? They prayed him there with loud symbols. So you got that, but we don't have to fight about that tonight. Praise him with the clashing symbols. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let all with breath praise the Lord. And Revelation 5.13 tells us, you can read it. Revelation 5.13, I'll, I'll go there real quick. Revelation 5.13 says this, a picture of heaven picture of being in heaven and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them i heard them saying blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever heaven is filled with praise praise the lord now real quick isn't this interesting in psalm 54 1 it says this, sing, O barren, barren, B-A-R-R-E-N. It's like the Lord says, you feel, feel dry, dusty, blah. The Lord says, sing. Sing, O barren. Sing my praises. How about this? Do you feel heavy, weighed down, depressed, anxious, hurting? Just you feel like, you know, somebody's put a weight on you. Your chest is can't, you know what I mean, expand and all that. Listen to this. In Isaiah 64, he says, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, the great exchange, 
Why? Why would he give us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness to exchange that and bring that off of you? Well, the rest of the verse tells you that he or she, uh, that they might be called trees of righteousness. Trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he uh, uh, may be glorified. Can't read it. Isn't that amazing? Lord's going to take, watch, through praise, the Lord's going to take your story, depressed, anxious, chest hurting, feel like the whole world's tumbling in on you. You're barren. You're going to encourage yourself in the Lord. You're going to sing the high praises of God, and you're going to depend upon the sword of the Spirit offensively. Watch this. And you're, the Lord's going to have everybody come around and go, whoa, look at that mighty oak of righteousness. Why is that person so strong and deep? Because... They know that God did it for them. And they live powerfully and big in a world that needs to see. How about this? Psalm 30, verse 11. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. Anybody here mourning? Sad? Upset? Bereaved? Well, you, have, uh, you can turn my mourning into dancing. And you've put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. What? There's something about praise, folks, that makes us beautiful. It's what it is. It's, it's the garments of praise. It's, it's the Lord who inhabits our praises and does a mighty work in your life in the midst of dry, anxious, uh, sad circumstances. It's, it's where the rubber meets the road for the Christian. It's all easy when everything's great. You got the bonus, you got the beautiful house, you got the beautiful whatever, spouse. You got the car, the vacations, the 401k. All that's wonderful and you can sing and sing. But let somebody get in line for a bonus after the Christmas bonus before you and all that goes out the window, right? But what about when you're mourning, when you're hurting? Well, the Bible instructs us to keep singing. And in fact, he tells us that he gives us songs in the night. He gives us songs in the night. So don't miss it. Don't miss it. Well, listen, that's Psalms. Those are the Psalms. And I pray that we would be people who would practice his praises, that our church would have an environment of praise and worship, and that we would take it to the streets. We would take it out there. When you go to the soccer games, when you go to the PTA meetings, when you go to the uh, public schools and talk to the teachers, that the things of the Lord would come out of your mouth and my mouth, and that we praise him and fill up this world with his praises, because that is a glimpse of heaven. And one day we'll be doing it full time, and praise the Lord for that. So here's what I'm going to do, is that we're going to pray and we're going to have Mike come up here, and we're just going to sing a simple little refrain. You probably know it, but pray with me first. Lord, thank you so much for this uh, wonderful set of psalms and this book. And uh, Lord, I pray it's been useful and good and helpful to us as we um, go out into the culture and engage the culture and share the gospel and make disciples. May we be people with high praises coming out of our mouths. Help us here, Lord. Fill us up. In Jesus' name, amen.